Hey, come on, Seacoast. If Jesus has done something for you, why don't you make some noise in this place today? If he's worthy of your praise, if he's worthy of all honor, if he's worthy of all glory, why don't you raise your hands in this place and let's take a moment to thank him. Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all glory. And today we've gathered in your presence to worship you and worship you alone. Father, will you meet with us today? Bless us, guide us, direct us. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ and everyone at Mount Pleasant said, yeah. Welcome to church today, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. And before you take a seat, I need you to do something. I need you to high five three people and tell them that God is on the move. High five three people as you take a seat today. Let them know God is on the move. If you're watching online today, high five someone next to you. Tell them God is on the move. If you're driving by yourself online today, high five yourself as you pass that guy on the left and tell him God is on the move, so I gotta keep moving. So glad that you're joining us today. Today is a special Sunday for us. We're trying something different. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. It's actually going to be an amazing Sunday. Today, we're calling it House of Prayer Weekend. Today, we are focusing on the power of prayer and worship in our life. You know, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. He got up off the donkey. He went into church, and he was shocked. He was so shocked because people were doing all sorts of crazy things in church, and so he threw over tables, and he was beating people, and then he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. As a pastor, the number one thing people ask me to pray for them is for wisdom and direction. By a show of hands, how many of you feel like you need some wisdom or direction in your life right now? How many of you are in a season where you're like, I don't know what to do? Lots of hands going up everywhere. Here's the irony of that. Jesus said that he would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which would act as a counselor and which would act as a guide in our life. And so if Jesus said he'd send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's supposed to be a guide, either one of two options are true. One, either Jesus is a liar and he didn't send it, or the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, but we don't know how to listen. Do you know how to listen to God? Do you create space in your life where you pause long enough to listen Stop lights, now it's scrolling time. How many times have you had to honk your horn because someone was on their phone at a stoplight? How many of you listen to some music before you go to bed or you, you put the TV on just to play because you need background noise? Silence isn't something that we're very good at in 2022. And I believe that God still speaks today. I still believe he's got a word for you 
that is more custom-fitted than any sermon that could ever be preached on this stage. One of the things every single time I get to preach is a question that haunts me. And here's the question. How is that sermon on Sunday going to live on a Tuesday? Because on a Sunday, we dress our best, we look our best, the worship team's on point, the lights and cameras are going. It's a great place to hear an encouraging word, but great words are lived out on a Tuesday. And if you don't know how to hear the voice of God, then it's really hard to live it out. And so today, we're just going to spend some time in prayer and worship. And so here's how it's going to go. I'm going to lead you in three different areas where I'm learning that I need to invite God into. We're going to pray over it together, and then we're going to have a time of worship. And during that time of worship, you can sit in your seat, cry out to God. You can stand and raise your hands, or you can go to response areas. And response time, for those of you who are new, is something we do every single Sunday at Seacoast. But throughout the whole service, we're going to be doing it at any time that you feel led to do it. So you can come up to the front or to areas all throughout our campus and take communion. Communion is the way we remember the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, reminding ourselves that he paid the price for our sins. You can go to the communion stations. You can go to the cross. The crosses are all throughout the building, and we write prayer requests, areas that we're struggling with, and we nail it to the cross reminding ourselves that the cross of Jesus Christ still works today. You could light a candle. There may be an area that you're struggling with, someone that you're missing that's no longer here. And we light the candle as a physical representation that the light of Jesus is shining into dark areas of our life. And so today, the first area I want to spend some time praying for is for you. We bring our requests to God often. We, we bring the areas that we're struggling with. But when's the last time you just prayed for you? David said this in Psalm chapter 51. He said this. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. David prayed for purity of heart. He said, God, take anything that's distracting, any of my sins, I confess it and lay it at your feet. He prayed for a steady and willing spirit. You know, sometimes our spirit tends to wander when we're depleted. Tends to grasp at things that can't really fill it, but we got to take a substitute. Our spirit can become hardened to the will of God, and we make our will more important than where he's leading us. And so David said, I need to have a steady spirit that's rooted in who God is and a willing spirit that's willing to respond when God leads me. And then he said something that I don't think I say very often. The joy of your salvation. Why do you say it that way? That's different. Sometimes I say the joy of my salvation when I got saved. Well, I didn't save myself. Jesus did. He saved me. 
And he's like, remind me the joy of what you did for me in my life. And so today, let's spend some time praying for you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Repeat after me. And then after that, the worship team's going to come up. And then you're free to respond by taking communion, going to the crosses, going to the candles. Well, let's take a moment to pray for you. Could you close your eyes for just a moment? Take a deep breath in. Okay, now exhale. I want you to envision Jesus standing in front of you. I want you to envision his face. Did you know that Jesus is smiling at you? Look into his eyes. There's a slight bit of concern as he looks at you because he realizes that you are holding things that he's died on a cross for. He's kind of concerned because he's like, why do you still got that shame from 10 years ago? I cleanse you of that. Why are you worrying how ends are going to meet? Didn't I tell you to pray for your daily bread? Why are you worrying about your son? Why are you worrying about your granddaughter? Don't I have them in the palm of my hands? He's concerned because he just wants you to surrender that stuff over to him so he can move. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Cleanse my heart. I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need your power in my life. Will you be my guide? Will you be my strength? Speak to me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How's God speaking to you right now? Second area that we want to take some time to pray for is for your job. And for our time together, jobs defined as whatever you spend your primary amount of time every week with. So if you're a student, that's your job. If you got a nine to five, or as Bryn reminded me, a 12 to 12, that's your job. If you're retired, hey, if you're retired in the room, make some noise. These people are free. They don't need prayer, okay? You can leave. Just, just, just walk out the door. If you're retired, now you get to direct your time under your discretion. So maybe your job's more important now than ever. One of the things we can forget is that what you do, your job, it's actually holy work. Well, Joel, you don't know what I do. It's not very holy. It's pretty mundane. I mean, what's holy about a spreadsheet? What's sacred about a sales call? I've never seen the Holy Spirit jump through an email after I hit a deadline. We can often miss the miraculous because it's wrapped up in the mundane. And we let job titles 
define us to the point where we think that's our purpose versus the fact that God has deployed his people all throughout the world to make a holy impact. David became a giant slayer when his job title was delivery boy. Moses became a deliverer of one million Israelites and 15 generations of slavery when his job title was a shepherd. That's kind of crazy. Maybe, just maybe, God has deployed you right where you're at at your job to make a divine impact. Well, you don't know how corporate America is nowadays, Joel. You can't say Jesus without getting fired. You say a lot of things at the watering hole, at the water cooler, that you shouldn't say that's in the employee handbook, right? I spent half of my career in the corporate world, so I know people get away with saying lots of stuff that isn't allowed in the employee handbook. But maybe, just maybe, God has deployed you in your job to change lives. After the Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites, God showed them the practical, everyday implications of following God spiritually with their lives. He says this in Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. There's some practical implications of how God wants to bless us in our jobs. He wants to bless the work of your hands. God wants to do that. Walking with him will always be a pathway to promotion. I'm not saying that you become a billionaire when you follow Jesus. But what I am saying is that God will open up new levels of influence you've never seen before when you see your daily work as the divine. Pay attention to following him and he'll take care of the rest. That's what our God wants to do with the work of our hands. And so let's spend some time praying for our jobs. Take a moment, close your eyes, envision yourself at work. You may see it as a prison. You may see it as a waiting room. You may see it as the best thing you've ever thought of in your life. You may be walking in your dream job. You may be walking in a job you dread. But guess what? God can teach you a lot when you just surrender everything to him. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, my work is holy. What I do is sacred. Teach me how to see it that way. Teach me how to live it out. Bless the work of my hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What you do is sacred, and my prayer is that you will carry his presence into your job. I was in a season where I felt like God was calling me into ministry, but I was a banker, and I didn't see anything holy in being a banker. 
But I remember reading my Bible one morning and God said, hey, why don't you pray over the seats at work? So I got to the bank early and I started praying over the seats. Started praying in tongues over the employees that I hated. Before they got there, they, they didn't hear me. And I started doing that daily. And I remember my boss's boss came in to the office about six months after that was my daily practice. And he said, whoa, there's something different about this place. I was like, yeah, you're right. This place is holy. This is a sacred ground. And you can carry his presence into unlikely places. Third place I want us to pray over is our community. Our community. I think sometimes in our culture, we have forgotten what it means to be a neighbor. Show of hands. How many of you have moved in the last five years? Oh, see that? How many of you have moved more than three times in your life? We gain a lot when we get to move, but we also lose something. We lose the thought of being knitted into a fabric of a community. We keep the complaining, but we forget the commitment. And there are groups of people in our community that keep it together that we don't ever spend time praying for. We don't spend enough time praying for them. And so today I want us to be a little selfless with our prayers and harness the power of being an intercessor. Do you know what that is? That means that you pray on someone's behalf. You know, you can pray for people. We pray on their behalf because they may not know how to pray. They may not know Jesus. They may not even believe it's real. But even if they don't believe it's real, the power of God still exists and can change lives when his people just spend some time in prayer for others. And so I'd love us to spend some time praying for our educators. They have the incredibly difficult task of imparting knowledge to the next generation and oftentimes while becoming their parents during the day because parents aren't being parents anymore. I'd love for us to pray for our students. Our students of all ages as they enter into a new school year, what students are dealing with in middle school 20 years ago, that was a college problem. So let's pray for our students. Could we take some time to pray for our protectors, police, fire, emergency responders, military? These are people who are called daily into the chaos. The stuff we look away from, they run to daily. They see our community at its worst and each time have to hit reset on the next call. What they see daily is something that is difficult. Let's pray for our protectors, those who keep us safe. And finally, I want us to spend some time praying for our legislators. These are our public servants who have felt called to lead in our community. And you know what? Because someone's very visible, doesn't make them any less human. And just as how you have good motivations with what you do every day, so do they, but they live in a world where it's increasingly polarized. I got to spend some time with a legislator, and I said, what's it like doing your job? And they said, man, over the last eight years, working with people hasn't changed. Like the people who are in government, 
but it's the polarization of our constituents that makes me feel like if I talk to someone across the aisle, I'm losing. Could we spend some time being a people who lift them up? Daniel said this, and if you read the book of Daniel, he always worked for crazy governments, but he always still was a man of honor, and he lived true to who God called him to be. He said this, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. What I take away from that passage is, it sounds like God is still in control. And as a people, and as believers, as people of faith, we have to remind ourselves that God is still in control. And so in the next song, I'd love for us to pray for our educators. Let's pray for our protectors. Let's pray for our legislators. But right now in the room, I really wanted to take a moment to pray for our next generation. If you're a student in the room, could you stand? If you are the parent of a student, the student may not be in the room, would you please stand? If you are near someone around you, I'm going to ask you to do something a little crazy. Would you put your hand on their shoulder? Make sure that they're surrounded. Let's move, let's move, let's move. We've got people here, over here, over here, over here. Let's make sure they're surrounded. Guess what? You don't know the name of the person, but because we are in Christ, that shoulder you're holding, you have an eternal relationship with them. And so... Let's take a moment to pray for our students. Let's pray for these parents. And so right now where you're at, let's take a moment to pray. You don't have to repeat the prayer after me. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray out loud. And let's make sure our next generation and these parents know that they're covered and that they're not alone. Father, we come into your presence and we say thank you for these students. Thank you for the next generation. They're smarter, they're brighter, they're better than the generation before them. And we declare, Lord God, that what has been meant for evil, you will turn it for good. We pray against a world that claims that they're tolerant while being ever more intolerant, that wants to divide them and define them by things that can take them straight to the pit of hell. So we pray, Lord God, that your blood will cover them and cleanse them and guide them and direct them. We just are believing this is their best year yet. We are just believing that the spirit of the living God will fall on these middle schoolers and high schoolers and three-year-olds and college students in a way that they've never felt before, that this is a new year of favor for your people. Will you bless them? Father, bless these parents to remind them that they didn't mess up. Remind them that you never call them to be a parent that is perfect, but a parent that just can point them to Christ. Help them realize that because they still have breath in their lungs, it is not over with. 
guide them and direct them into all truth. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, 